so it changed his eating patterns, which changed in the good. It helped him sleep, sleep regulation. It helped with his digestion and it helped his moods like incredibly. The, the tantrums went down, the attention, the being able to um, listen and comprehend what I was saying was like went way up because he, you know, he used to just hear like the one thing, give you an answer and, and move on to something else. But he, he listens. He was able to have longer conversations. Um, this is the first year or about six months ago, I guess, um, I went to a neuroscience convention or um, not a convention, but they had a, a neuroscience conference all day one day because in San Diego there's a lot of um, great research being done with autism and the brain. And so all these neuroscientists presented on on their latest research and what they're doing. And, and it was the first time at one of these things that I heard a neuroscientist say to the entire group, if you want to treat the brain, treat the gut. Like it's so incredibly hard for us to make a drug that is going to get to your brain, that is going to change behavior because it has to pass through your liver and your whole digestive system. And then it's a drug and it's something that you're reliant on. And he's like, if you change the gut, it's going to change the way that your kids are behaving. Like it, it's, we know it now, like change the gut to change the brain. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess and I'm here with Coach BJ and our guest today, Wendy Garofalo. That's how you pronounce it, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you may remember Wendy's amazing story from episode 61 where we dive into how the life-changing diagnosis of her son Luca set Wendy on a path to shifting perspective so that we may see each other not for our stories but for who we truly are. That episode was launched in July of 2017, and we're here today to find out what's been going on, how this warrior family has grown, and what's next from Wendy's inspired business, I Am Love. So we're psyched to have you back, or we're psyched to be back in your house. This is kind of like our secondary podcast studio. We've done three (laughs) podcasts in this house already at this table. Uh, I'm so excited. And after re-listening to the first one today, there's there's good acoustics in this room, so we might be using it more. Yeah, of course. Rent out the space. Yeah, I'll let you know. Get the schedule going. Daily rental fee. Yeah, (laughs) and your days aren't full, as we were just talking about. Yeah. Your days aren't full. Never. I have nothing to do. So we have, our listener base has really expanded since um, our first episode. And so for those people who haven't, you guys, if you haven't gone back um, already to listen to it, if you heard it the first time, BJ and I listened to it today and so did Wendy. And it's so good. It's such an incredible episode. But for those people who maybe haven't gone back to listen to it and didn't hear it the first time, give us a little... Like a recap on okay. what happened in your life, because still, even when we recorded, it was like in this window of like less than still two years, new, yeah. and now it's like another year and a half on to that, so yeah. what, what is it? What is it about this amazing kiddo of yours that changed your life? Ah, so many things, but to recap, <laughs> at least the first, the beginning of it, so Luca was, uh, just after he turned four, diagnosed with autism which set our lives on a whole new path that we had no idea existed. And um, he was obsessed with letters at the time because part of autism, there's this rigidity and this obsession with certain things at certain times. And he was obsessed with letters. And I mentioned to you guys he was obsessed with fonts and like needed to know and understand every font that existed. And he uh, would get really frustrated if words were written on glass windows or doors because when we'd walk inside that building, the words would flip and they'd be written in reverse. And so he'd have to walk in and out of a building like 30 times and look at the word here and look at it inside. And I explained it to him several times, hundreds of times probably, that it's meant for you to read on this side and not on that side. And so after a month or so of that explanation, he, um, he went in our backyard and he wrote love on our garden boxes, but he wrote it backwards, which kids do when they're first learning how to write. But I came out and, and, and I said, hey, buddy, you know, let me help you. Let's erase this and we'll write it the right way. And he stopped me and he said, no, 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 mama. I wrote it that way so the plants could read it from the inside. And that 
moment just shifted everything for us because we were a newly diagnosed autism family, I'll call it. And um, we were trying to do everything we could to fix him, to, you know, have the therapy to change him. And in that moment, I just, I looked at him and, and I thought, what an incredible thought that this little boy had. Like, I thought that what I was doing was right. And he showed me that he sees things differently and, and beautifully and really simply and logically. And so we shifted everything uh, in that moment and, and started some new things with him and, and just started to see him as this really incredible light. And so shortly after that, I started the company Evel or I Am Love because uh, I thought it was such a great message that we all should be sending love inward and not be so concerned with you know, fitting the expectations of the world. And so we started making bracelets and then shirts and hats and, and everything is written in reverse so that just like Luca wrote it in reverse, so the message is for you and not for anybody else to, to read or, you know, take part in. It's, it's your message. And so it's really great. Like when you see a reflection, you get to... It's, it's amazing. Like when I wear my shirt and I go into the bathroom and for somebody who spent years looking in the mirror saying saying out loud you're you're so ugly yeah. you're so this you're so that you're fat you're gross you're and now I walk in and it's big and it just says love super and I'm bold. like hell yeah yeah <laughs> it shows it's super powerful it just shows like it, we continually look outside and, and with our athletes and our in our team it's you get feedback all the time of the struggles and when when I see this and I'm looking in the mirror it's it's it's, it couldn't be any stronger that it's an inside job. Yeah. Like if you want to change, you want to be that person you, you true, if you truly want to be like, you got to start from the inside and yeah. we're constantly, constantly looking outside for the answer. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And we all want to see, I think we can all agree just like if we all just ate, like if we all ate more vegetables, I think we can all agree like that's good for us. Mm -hmm. I think that we can all agree that we want to see more love in the world. Mm -hmm. However, we're always looking outside of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yesterday was Valentine's Day. And I felt, BJ and I did this live Instagram in the morning. And we were talking about a little bit about how we don't really do Hallmark holidays. And I was kind of, I was just listening to myself, you know, as somebody that walks this path, you get better and better at hearing yourself from kind of that third party position. Mm -hmm. And I meditated on this, like a little bit of this rebellion of like, I don't celebrate Hallmark holidays and we're not going to go out to dinner. And we had donuts in our pajamas and that was our date. And, and it just came to me that there was, it didn't matter if we went out to dinner, had reservations or I got dressed up or didn't get dressed up. The fact was there was more love in the field yesterday. Yeah. There was more people talking about love. Mm -hmm. There were more pictures of people and write and, and postings of people writing about how they love this person or, you know, how that person brought love into their life. And so just shifting that perspective and realizing that instead of pushing against it, I had this whole other um, energy that I opened up to, which was like, I can't deny that there's more love in the world today. And I'm going to soak all of that into yeah. every cell. Yeah. And I talked about that in my classes last night about, you know, where the fight is. Like, notice where the fight is. And I noticed that I had this fight with Valentine's Day. It's I so have silly. the same one, yeah. And, and with any holiday, really, we, 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 we was, kind of put the brakes on. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, I think it was just that rebellion of, like, this obligation that I'm supposed to celebrate it or post a picture of BJ and I kissing or something like that. And, and then... But when we're in the fight, right, when you're, oh, th that's not the right way to, to write it. we got to write it the right way. When we're mm -hmm. kind of in the fight of, like, it needs to be done this way, we lose the perspective of everything else that's available. And I mm -hmm. think that that's, Luca brought that to you that day. Yeah, for sure. That there's a whole other perspective that these beings, these plants, these sentient beings deserve to be able to read that and yeah. receive that in yeah. a way that's right, right for them. It's written for them. Yeah. Well, and even just, you know, with the kids at school, because, yeah, I'm, I'm not one of those moms that does all the cute little gift bags with all the little things in it, but they, they 
each made all their own valentines, which was a chore to get through all of them. But I told Luca, I'm like, you got to make a valentine for every person in your class. Like, here's the list of names. And it took us several days because he's like, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do it. And I get you. You I'm like, so I'm (laughs) trying to put on this good face of like, but, you know, they'll feel so bad if they don't get one. He's like, why? I wouldn't feel bad. Only if it has food would I be happy. Like, he's all into food right now. But I'm like, well, it just makes people feel good if you write down something nice. And so he, and I, I walk over, he had done three or four. And so, you know, two so-and-so from Luca, I love you. And then on the other side, he'd put a math equation for them to solve, which is his language of love and his way of, you know, okay, well, I like this. Maybe this will make somebody else feel good. So I was proud of him for coming up with his own thing that wasn't, you know, just Because a, it was what he loved, right? Yeah. And it's not that... It, it, and and that that Valentine had the energy of love behind it because yeah. he put his love on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was really cute. We're you know we got all the store bought ones, which is fine because as a mom I'm like that's the easy route and I'll probably do that <laughs> next year. Um, but just the fact that he he took that time was really awesome. So it was a a, a different day. Valentine's Day has shifted for me too, where it's like oh this is. Different yeah. and <laughs> I'm like, I would be a why, fool not to soak in all the love that's in the field today. Yeah. I'd be a fool why can't you just that? have that full love every day? Yeah. Like just I know. be great. That's the goal. That's the goal, right? So <laughs> right. I guess I guess it's a good reminder for those who have fallen off the yeah. path a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So what's been happening since July of twenty seventeen when we watched <laughs> podcast one? Come up with anything. Right. right. But yeah. at that point he was about to go into mainstream kindergarten. Yeah. So perhaps we start there. Yeah. So he which was great because um a few months before that, they weren't sure if they were going to send him to mainstream, that they were thinking of some um, kindergarten program, special ed ones that they were looking into. But um, Luca has, he's, his personality is that if he finds a challenge and something that he locks onto, he has to do it. And so I've read a lot of um, books about adults with autism in the last few years because it always gives me insight into his brain. And one of them talks about how autism can be somewhat of this superpower because there's a separation between um, what we need to do and the emotions attached to it. Most people have emotions and fear and judgment and all these things that we attach really easily to all the stuff in our life. And with Luca, there's a separation. So he had it in his head for his fifth birthday that he wanted to go on Splash Mountain at Disneyland. I think we had shown him a video or something, which it's got this huge drop into you're on a log and you land in this like water thing. And uh, so we went and I showed it to him again because I'm like, are you sure you want to go? He's like, I do, I do. So we get in line and we get up and, and we get in. It's my husband and I and Luca and he's sitting next to my husband and he's shaking like... like just too intense for him just shaking and and Rob looks at me and he's like I don't think this was a good idea like well we're on it now we can't get off so he's like daddy hold me really tight hold me so tight and he's like I got you buddy I got you and so we're going through the rides it takes a while the the big drop isn't until the end but anything that he could see that he knew the word and could attach something to he was like look at that mushroom do you see that big mushroom he was like over the top with his just anything that could come out because he had so much, I think it was anxiety and, and nervousness, but you know, he was, he was focused and locked on that I have to do mm-hmm. this. So we get to the top and we go down the drop and he's still just shaking as we get off the ride and there's always pictures. We look at the pictures and then I was like, Hey buddy, you know, what did you think? And he's still shaking and he looks at me and he goes, I loved it so much. I want to go again. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? Cause I don't, are you sure? And my husband's like talking out of it. He doesn't really want to go again. It's just, you know, these emotions. And I was like, buddy, like, are you sure you were shaking the whole time? Are you sure? He's like, I really want to go again. <laughs> so I go, well, let's go see how long the line is. Cause it was getting later and cold and so I go to the girl at the front of the line. I'm like, well, how long's the wait? And she goes, oh, you could just walk on. There's no wait. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're going again. <laughs> so I sat with him, but same thing. He shook through the whole thing, but he did it and loved it and couldn't stop talking about it. And the next week in kindergarten, the teacher was like, I don't know what you guys did, but 
I think he's ready for kindergarten. Like he just, he had this like jump ahead where all of a sudden he just, I think he, I don't know if it was confidence in himself that he could do anything. He just, she's like, he has gone from like not wanting to cooperate and follow directions to like, all right, let's do this. What do you need me to do? Like he, he just, she's like, he's a different kid now. And we were changing a lot of things at the time, his diet and stuff like that, which I think helped for sure. I know helped. Um, but so he was ready for mainstream kindergarten and we, we did it and kindergarten was, um, it had its, it had its ups and downs. It was a struggle for him to be in a classroom with so many kids and to get used to the routine because Luca, he doesn't, he does now, but he used to not transition very well. So he has preferred activities that he loves. But in kindergarten, they're like 15 minutes of this, and then we move over to this. And if he's not done doing you know, the coloring or whatever he needs to do, he couldn't go to the next thing. He had a really hard time with that. So it was, it was a struggle, but I think a great thing, we're, we're at a great school. And you know, uh, we talked about it a little bit in the last one, but people often attach a stigma to getting a diagnosis of any kind, and, and they don't want that to follow their kid around, and they don't want that judgment placed on their kid. But I always come back to that diagnosis isn't for the kid, it's for the parents or, you know, whoever's taking care of them to give you kind of a guidebook, you know, a place to Google and like figure stuff out. I mean, that's what led us to changing Luca's diet, which was cutting out gluten, which made a, a world of difference in his life and dairy and soy. Um, but the... It also, with having the diagnosis, it not only gives you that Google search, you know, what do we do, but if you have what they call an IEP, so an Individualized Education Program or Plan with the school, the school has to provide you with a, an education. So if Luca is not learning like the other kids are learning, they have to fill in that gap and figure out what do we need to do so that Luca can continue to learn with the rest of the class? So they were putting into place different, um, different ways that he could transition and different um, reward systems so that he was, by the end of the year, able to transition a lot better. And, and I actually got to come in twice a week and do yoga with the kids in his class. And by the end of the year, too, I finally had gotten approval with the principal and, and the school district to teach the kindergartners about autism without calling out Luca, but um, I came in, because they knew me, I was their yoga teacher. We called them, we called it breathing adventures instead of yoga, just because they had, I they had fun with breathing it. Adventures. Yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, I read a book about autism, and we talked about what a kid with autism, like what struggles they might have or what might be hard for them in a typical day. Like how if, was that? Like, how, do, how, how did you navigate that without calling him out or yeah well I mean he knows so he got to an age and, and this is a conversation I've had with a lot of parents because you're not sure the age to start to tell them and so what I told him I said you're going to hear mama use the word autism a lot and I want you to know that it just means awesome brain like a brain that works a little bit differently but a brain that is incredibly awesome and so that's sort of what he knows and even Aviana once when I got mad at her tried to use that excuse and say, but I have the autism brain too. <laughs> of course like, she did. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he's not the only child in the school with, with autism. autism. He's not. He? Okay. No. So there were a few kids in his class mm -hmm. with autism last year and this year. Um, but I, it, it was cute because there's a lot of great little books and I read a book uh, about a little boy who wasn't really verbal. Um, who made friends with a butterfly and has like this whole mental conversation with a butterfly and the butterfly talks about how he, you know, is in a cocoon for a certain amount of time where everything's dark and you don't know if you have any friends, but then you come out and you're sort of this own, your own person. But we also did sensory stations. I did sensory tables with the kids to introduce to them, you know, what your senses are, sight and touch. And, and we did that. And then I talked about how some of those stations might have been hard for a kid with autism because maybe they don't like the feeling of, of touch or maybe the sound was 
Like a sound that's not very loud to you might be really loud to them and it might hurt their ears. It might be so loud, like a fire alarm might be something that's just really overwhelming. And so they were, the kindergartners were so cute. My goal was just, I wanted them to hear the word and to not associate fear with it because I started, as he started mainstream, I started to look at the statistics for bullying and the statistics for bullying of kids with autism is like three times what it is for their neurotypical peers because they're different. They're sometimes odd. And I'm like, how do I start to change that statistic? Because he's not there yet in kindergarten. They don't really bully. They all sort of love each other. Well, they all do love each other. So I'm like, how do I start to change that? Because now? he's going to grow with these, grow with these kids, kids. Right. And so I want them to hear that word and to not be afraid of it and to know exactly, like to have a situation. Oh, I remember learning about that in kindergarten and it was really fun. And we did these sensory tables because then I asked them, how could you be a good friend to somebody with autism? And they, they had such cute responses. Like what? They were like... <laughs> If the fire alarm goes off, maybe you could get them some headphones and give them to them and put the headphones on. Or, you know, maybe you could go up and ask them if they're okay, if they want to play. And I was like, oh, you guys are so cute. Please stay like this <laughs> forever. <laughs> Please don't bully my child in five years. <laughs> that, um, that story you talked about going on the log ride, I mean, that entire story to me is the definition of bravery. Like yeah. if there was like a little video about what bravery is and bravery is that you're scared, mm -hmm. but you act anyway. Yeah. You're not paralyzed by that fear. And I've had paralyzing fear and I've had fear that felt paralyzing, but I acted anyway. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he, there was some kind of just divine, I don't want to say intervention, but this like divine connection that was like, he got what he needed mm -hmm. to have the bravery to move into the kindergarten. Yeah. Well, and I don't know where he gets it from. It's just like, He's it's amazing. just his personality because well, okay. it keeps happening. <laughs> You're pretty amazing. Like yeah. the story that you, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Yes, Thank you. you are. <laughs> Seriously, like, oh my God, that story you just told, I'm like, holy shit, you need to be on Oprah. <laughs> so, like, this well, is small stuff. Yeah. I mean, what you're doing, like shifting statistics of bullying and, and I mean, it's really profound. And so I think we know exactly where he gets it, but his brain does work um, in this unique, awesome way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then you share that with us. Like yeah. You, you share it through this podcast, but you also share it on social media and you share it in your yoga classes, which yeah. is like, I think everybody's kind of favorite part <laughs> is like, you always have some, you know, a little story or something about yeah. what's going on. Cause he's just, he continues to inspire me. They both do. They're both amazing in their own way, but he keeps having these moments of things he just gets locked onto that he has to accomplish. And and he does, and I just, I feel so lucky and so fortunate that he has that, you know, that he has that drive. Like, he's got a strong will. He's got a really strong, strong will. will. And just... he doesn't have the emotions attached to it, which I just think, I even notice with our daughter, Aviana, that she's starting to have fears associated with different things. And, and he has those, like, he's it's good because he's slowly developing some, which you need, you know, like crossing the street, you've got to look both ways and cars are something to be avoided you know mm -hmm. when you're crossing so a lot of kids with autism that that's a struggle like there's fears you know you have to get certain locks on your doors because they could just wander out into the street and there's because there's that lack of judgment and awareness they don't um they're not aware that crossing a busy road might be dangerous um so so it's a it's a fine line so is there something in like the like in the fight or flight system that, because that's, that Doesn't, seems like, or is it the, the re, is, is it like the, the reasoning? Like, I mean, I think it's different for every kid, but I think it's mostly the rigidity that they're so focused mm -hmm. on that thing that they mm -hmm. needed to get to or do that nothing else can deter them. Like, it's almost, what a, it is. it's almost we're almost undoing this with our athletes. Like yeah. we, we're almost moving them towards that way to, to remove that the emotions and the, the emotion yeah. of, of what they perceive well, to be associated with what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. It's almost getting in the way. When I wonder, because when the whole thing happened with the garden box, we 
stopped most of the therapies that Luca was doing because I was like, we're going about this the wrong way. We're trying to fix and change him to mold him into what a typical kid looks like. And that was one of the biggest pieces for me was I started to see him and, and pay attention to what drives him and what motivates him as opposed to, okay, well, this is the method, you know, that we use on all the autism kids and, and here's how we're going to play this out. I was like, no, 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 I don't, it doesn't seem right for me. Um, so when, when we started to just notice what he was interested in, and, and we mentioned it in the last podcast too, but following his interests, but then using those interests to, to work on the therapy things, to help him adjust to school and to life. Like um, in kindergarten, we, had, we worked with the zones of regulation, which is, you can look, at, look it up online, but there are four different zones. There's green and yellow and blue and red, and you, know, you loved colors at the time. So if you're in the green zone, you're ready to learn, you're ready to play. If you're in the yellow zone, you're a little spazzy and goofy and silly. If you're in the blue zone, you're a little tired or um, sad. And if you're in the red zone, you're mad. And so that, that was what I worked with his kindergarten class a lot because we put up a poster for Luca in the classroom that he could identify what zone he was in. But that's because I knew that he was motivated by colors. And so I knew it wasn't like, let's just do the zones because that'll work. I was like, he's motivated by colors. So if I say to him, which zone are you in? That's a lot easier for him to answer than how are you feeling? Right. You know, which for any kid is, is tough. <laughs> but for an adult, if you ask, but, tell me how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> but we, but <laughs> I ask me, yeah. I'll ask no, how, how feel? he feels. And he'll tell me, and I'll be like, but what's the essence? He's like, oh. Okay, we're going like, there today. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the essence? Maybe of that'll it? lead us into chakras. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so we just, we started to take his lead on things and. And found a few therapies that, that worked with that, but we weren't super attached to the therapy. Um, and, and I think it just, it's changed because I've met several other kids now with autism and they have things that they were taught to do in certain moments. And you can tell that it's not genuine, that it's like, oh, I know I'm supposed to stop. Like it's a program. It's a program. Which, oh my God, we are all so socially programmed. And like when BJ said, like the things that we're working with, with our athletes and the the athletes that I work with, with meditation, it really is, it's like undoing the social programming that we all have. Yeah. And so they've been socially programmed to, when they're having a tantrum to shut down and, and, and do this and this. And, and I, I like the way that we went about things because we didn't program him to act in a certain way. Uh, we found strength in what he was going through. And, and so now I think he's, his little light is just shining so bright because we never tried to change who he was. You know? and, and that's our journey because there's so many amazing therapies out there. Like I, I highly recommend finding the one that's right for you because there's a ton. Um, but, but finding the one that's right for you and not just relying on somebody who says, like a, a doctor who says, do this therapy because you know your kid better than anybody else. Right. Like you'll have a feeling for it. And you posted not too long ago about an experience that you had, um, that Luca had that you were witnessing where he was creating stories and like cre- getting creative. Imagination. Creative. Oh yeah. 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 So the, so that's happened. Yeah. He, um. His, his sister is very imaginative and very playful, and he's so logical, and, you know, he loves, he, he's gotten into math since, I think, our last podcast, math is, like, his yeah. thing. Um, if you guys aren't following um, Wendy on Instagram, do you, you post it through both, your personal and through? Yeah, most of Luca's stuff is through the I Am Love site. So yeah, and um, to to just see what he's up to, it's yeah. it's awesome. The pogo stick. Thing. <laughs> He'll be like, new new Luca video, new or new Avi. She's in the kitchen again. Food yeah. Network. We gotta see what she's making. We have to watch this. I know. Um, yeah, I shamelessly plug my kids into my social media feed because I don't want to post about myself. <laughs> like, oh, you guys are cute. <laughs> So he's into math. He's He's into math. Yeah, but let's talk about that story about the... Yeah, the the imagination. Oh, yeah, he's into math. So he 
Yeah, the other day, it was probably three months ago or so, because um, I remember in, in one of the therapies that my husband and I took, they talked about trying to get him to play pretend and, you know, like pick up a banana and pretend it's a phone. And he would be like, that's not a phone, that's a banana. Um, but so it's it's taken us a while where, you know, to like imagine that something is right here, but that's not like, oh, I'm eating this yummy apple and to not have anything in your hand is like so just, he just would look at you like, what have you been doing? And he'd just walk off because he thought you were ridiculous, but he was playing in the bathtub and I was just sitting there and all of a sudden he picked up a little, one of Aviana's little dolls and he was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. He even changed his voice and he's like, I'm going to jump into the, this pool and I wonder how deep it is. And he just, he just, he, it was pretend. It was very logical pretend because it involved math of how deep this pool was for this little character, you know, how, so it, it involved some logic and some figuring things out in his mind. But the fact that he had switched his voice and kind of given that character a life, I was like, that is amazing like kids do that naturally but he hasn't and I think that's something that's so special about having a child with autism or with some sort of special need is that you celebrate every little thing that you don't when you have a neurotypical kid because they just learn it and they develop it and but like even when he first started having back and forth conversations, you're like, did you see that? We just went back and forth like three or four times. That was amazing. <laughs> so you get to celebrate all these tiny little milestones that you don't with neurotypical kids. That's the, the I suppose, a nice name to use, neurotypical, <laughs> rather than normal, <laughs> neurotypical. Um, yeah, so what else has happened in that time? He's playing pretend. He's loving math. He's doing his pogo stick. So that's another sort of thing that he gets locked into. He got a pogo stick right after Halloween this year. Which Did I he thought, want one? Did you guys just happen to get it for him? So or? we do after Halloween. So here's another holiday. that I'm like, I don't really want you walking around to people's houses to get candy. Like, right. <laughs> we don't, you don't need to eat candy. It makes you crazy. But I don't want to deny them the fun of that because kids love that. So they do their trick-or-treating. How is he with, like, dressing up and, like, becoming a character? So it's interesting because his sensory um, needs have shifted where he loves um, – like, he, for a while he didn't, like, touch, and now he craves it. So he loves – like, he wears a beanie every day because he loves something squeezing his head. He'll come home and he climbs – in between the couch cushion and the couch back. Like he loves to be just scrunched into tight places because um, he has this sensory need of being touched. And so for Halloween, he wanted to be a ghost where he was covered because um, it gave him just a little bit uh, more security. So he's he's good with going. And he has Aviana. So anything that she can do, he's like, I can, I can do that. So he loves Halloween. He's all of a sudden like into treats and gluten-free treats and <laughs> um, that's all he wanted for Christmas and his birthday was was things to eat but he so right after Halloween like the day two days after we do the switch witch which you put your bag of candy at the end of your bed and at night the switch witch comes and she takes your candy and she leaves you a toy so amazing if you don't want your kids to eat all that candy for weeks and months <laughs> and then where does the candy go Parents get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it got donated somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I let them keep, you know, like four or five pieces that then they ate over the next like three weeks, you know, every couple of days. They'd be like, can we have a piece? I'm like, yeah, I took, all, I took out all this stuff with any dyes and, you know, I was like, picked out like the most nutritious candy that was in the bag. Um, but for him, I wandered around Target for a while because he's never so hard to know what to get him and I saw the pogo stick and I was like this is either going to be really bad or, or really good and we'll just have to see so that's what the switch which brought him and it took him about four days and you'd hear him out in the back and he'd get frustrated because he'd do like two hops and he'd be like why doesn't this work for me I don't this pogo stick doesn't work and he'd get frustrated but I'm like you gotta just keep working on it buddy and after about the fourth day you just heard it it sounds like somebody's stapling their roof. Like, it's really loud. Our neighbors are not super happy um, about the pogo stick, but we, you just heard it, and it kept going, and, you know, like 20, 30 times, and he just, he got it. 
And then because he's so into math and, and more so tracking things now, like he loves tracking. Unfortunately, it rained, so we don't have all the chalk everywhere, but for months he was tracking his progress on how many steps he was taking every day because he's got a watch that does that tells him and how many pogo stick jumps he's done and how long it took. And so we had like a spreadsheet in chalk on our back porch but he just he got it in his mind to set a goal that he wanted to do 5,000 pogo jumps we're not quite there yet but we're at about there he is there he is uh you could play a little bit longer okay bud uh 5:15. he's playing He's not on the pogo stick right now. He's not. You'd be hearing it if he was. Yeah. So he's at about 2,500. Luca, what's your pogo stick record right now? 2,548. 2,548. That's crazy. And he was counting them for a long time. He was counting. Until. Yeah, until he got just over 2,000. And then he stopped doing it for a few weeks. And I was like, why aren't you doing your pogo stick? And he said, I really tired of counting that high <laughs> so we got him a pogo stick counter which is a thing and uh it, it counted Brilliant for invention. him yeah <laughs> right. which so it took him about 45 minutes i think to do that so we're up to that now but his goal because there's a record i think a 10 year old holds a record at 10,000. so he figured since he's seven i don't know where he got it in his mind but he's like i want to get to 5,000. so he's taking the long term go- like the He's looking long term. Yeah, he's yeah. training. He's training. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> and we, go ahead. I was gonna say, he also had his, his schedule for lunch too. You were yeah. telling me, like, to ten to ten fifteen, he's gonna fuel yeah. and then back to training. Yeah. And then I think he had like a two hour window to do something. Yeah, like, so he'd do like intervals. Yeah, he'd be like, I'm gonna jump on the trampoline from this time to this time, and then I'm gonna drink some water, and then I'm gonna do the pogo stick, and he had it all tracked in the backyard, and so that's what's been. He's transitioned in first grade now to um he still loves math but I think he started to pull away from it uh, I learned because we kept saying you're so good at math you're so good at math that kids often do this they kind of back away like oh well, that you know that's their identity so if they're not good at math who are they so we have right. to adjust Don't we all and do kind that. of learn yeah. to to say you know I, I love how hard you're working at that as opposed to you're good at that just I, I love your focus and your dedication when you're doing x but isn't that um, showing that there's a little bit of like emotional attachment there like maybe a fear like oh well, wait what if I'm not so these these little blossoms yeah are starting to happen within him that maybe aren't you know on the autism list yeah and yeah. I think it's because you guys really just went to the seed mm-hmm and you watched it from there yeah. and guided him and supported him in that way, as, as opposed to saying, here is the list of things we want to change. Yeah, yeah. And, and train you yeah. to be and to do. And that yeah. was, we talked last time about the patience, like your patience yeah. I mean, it's something that you've always yeah. had in your life. I'm sure it's challenged, but, yeah. but that's, a, that's a big skill to have in this experience because you, you're sure. waiting for a lot to show itself. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's... It's a lot easier now. Um, I don't know if it's... Well, I do. It's a lot of great things. It's, it's his maturity. He's older. Um, but he, he continues to shift from what he's passionate about. You know, the math has now shifted to tracking things, which has also shifted, which includes time. So he's very... He, he, you know, he, um, he wanted to know how to read a watch and and what that all meant and how many seconds in a minute how many seconds in an hour and he knows how many seconds he's at school for every day and um so he's his obsession now is that of staying on time so we're supposed to leave to go to school at eight o'clock and if I'm not ready to go he is out the door and at the end of the cul-de-sac screaming for me mama mama it's 801 it's 801 it's 802 um and so that's what we're working on at school now because his teacher's like, you know, it's hard to, she's got 24 kids that she's got to get ready to go <laughs> to the computer lab or lunch. And Luke was like, we're 30 seconds late for computer lab now. We're 45 seconds late. And she's like, Luke, oh, we'll get there. So it's just that it's still the rigidity piece that can be awesome because it, it drives him to doing that one thing, but it also can be tough in, in situations that involve 
other people. <laughs> yeah, and where flexibility can be yeah. really helpful. Yeah. Um, and so you had talked about some changes that you've made in his diet, getting mm-hmm. rid of gluten and things like that. And what were the biggest changes that you saw from from doing that? The gluten, for sure. It, and it's hard um, to cut those things out, especially for kids, because kids' foods are mac and cheese and chicken nuggets and <laughs> all these gluten things. So it took a couple of weeks of just eating what I knew he would eat, like fruits and, and a couple of things, smoothies and you know anything I could get down him. And then after about two weeks, he, because he's, he's got a really good sense of smell, um, and he was curious about the spices I was putting in things, and so he wanted to smell them, so I let him help me, you know, spice up some quinoa to, and so then he got to taste it, and, and he all of a sudden just his world was like, I want that, I want to have that, I want to eat that. Like, you know, for his kindergarten graduation, he wanted to go out for sushi. Like, he's, he's just, it, so it changed his eating patterns, which changed in the good. It helped him sleep, sleep regulation, it helped with his digestion, and it helped his moods, like, incredibly. The, the tantrums went down. The attention, the being able to um, listen and comprehend what I was saying was like went way up because he, you know, he used to just hear like the one thing, give you an answer and, and move on to something else. But he, he listens. He was able to have longer conversations. Um, this is the first year or about six months ago, I guess, um, I went to a neuroscience convention or... Um, not a convention, but they had a, a neuroscience conference all day one day because in San Diego there's a lot of um, great research being done with autism and the brain. And so all these neuroscientists presented on on their latest research and what they're doing. And, and it was the first time at one of these things that I heard a neuroscientist say to the entire group, if you want to treat the brain, treat the gut. Like, it's so incredibly hard for us to make a drug that is going to get to your brain, that is going to change behavior, because it has to pass through your liver and your whole digestive system. And then it's a drug, and it's something that you're reliant on. And he's like, if you change the gut, it's going to change the way that your kids are behaving. Like, it, it's, we know it now. Like, change the gut to change the brain. So... There's certain probiotics that are really good for kids with autism. So we added a probiotic in, a specific one that research had shown um, was really good, and and that seemed to make a difference as well. That goes for all of us, Mm -hmm. right? It's like healing the gut. And and just for the – you can eat, you know, you can have this healthy diet, but you might have – you know, an unhealthy gut from, you know, whatever your diet was before, and you might not be absorbing all those nutrients, or you can have a really crappy diet and be taking a lot of vitamins Mm -hmm. and throwing your money out the door because you're not absorbing anything. Yeah. And so it's a thing I thought we were eating pretty healthy. You know, I'm a vegetarian. The kids were pretty much vegetarian. Um, but when I started to dig deeper, I was like, Oh, like, and, and you start to realize like, no wonder he's, he was tantruming so much between the ages of two and four. He probably felt like crap most of the time. Like, you know, he, his belly hurt and it wasn't something he could say to me, this hurts because it's something that was just a constant. So he didn't know. Right. Like he didn't know he felt bad. Yeah. He just was super cranky. A lot of people Which is don't. A lot, what a lot of people, they just yeah. Don't, yeah. They don't have that connection. Yeah. Until you take mm-hmm. it out and then you're like, oh, I feel so when incredible. I, um, when I, I was healthy, like people were, what are you guys eating? What do you guys do for workouts? Like this is before I got rid of dairy. And, um, then, and I felt, I thought I felt good. I thought I felt great. I thought I was energetic. I thought yeah. I was all these things. And when I got rid of dairy and I think it was in direct relation to how much I was ingesting mm-hmm. because I had dairy with every meal. I had snacked out and in between meals. It was cheese, 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 cheese. And so for me, it was 10 days my everything changed in 10 days no more allergies no more skin irritations energy that just lasted throughout the day um Mm -hmm. puffiness gone 10 pounds gone like Mm -hmm. 10 days it was really extreme and I was like whoa yeah it's got to be the dairy because that was the only thing I had changed yeah and I thought I don't ever want to put anything into my body that 
makes me feel that way because I didn't realize how bad I felt. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's, I, I look back and I'm so frustrated with the way, like the diagnosis when we initially got it, that nobody said to me, try this, like try just cutting it out and see what happens. Like, cause you don't have to wait for the doctor's approval and you don't have to wait for this test result to come back. Like you can cut out gluten right now. Like you could, it's, it's pretty simple, especially in today's world to do that. And so every parent that I meet now, cause I, I meet a lot of new newly diagnosed parents who reach out and just want advice or whatever. And I'm like, just try it. Just, I know it's hard. And I, I have so many parents who are like, but my kid only eats this one yogurt bar and a yogurt. Like that's all he'll eat. Cause they have sensory stuff too. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but the root of that is because they feel like crap and that thing makes them feel good. So I know it's hard. You feel like you're starving your kid, but you have to break that cycle. Only you can, like you're the only person who can. And so I'm like, it's Didn't you have an experience big... with Luca where you had him, he wanted gluten or something with gluten he and did. you let him, let him yeah. associate yeah. his feelings? We did over the holidays this year because he's been doing so well and he so wants to eat everything that I was like, okay, we're, we got a, a pasta maker. <laughs> Rob's Italian and he's something he's always wanted and so we wanted to make and roll our own pasta. So I was like, okay, buddy, you can have this it's gonna have gluten and I we're just gonna see like let's see what happens like you know going in I know going in and the next day he was he was getting so mad at me for something it was like because he likes to watch when we're playing music in the car it tracks you know how many seconds it's played and how many seconds are left and he got obsessed with that and I put my hand over it to cover it up because I'm like, you just listen to the music, just listen, just enjoy it. And he's like, but I need to see that. And I'm like, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to see that. Just listen. Why are you doing this? You're making me so upset. And I go, because you've had gluten, you're getting upset at something that's not a big problem. And he was like, no, it's not the gluten, it's that you're making me upset. And I was like, exactly, <laughs> this is why we're not, doing this anymore and so that night he was like he goes yeah I, I think maybe we should not have gluten <laughs> and I said I, I agree let's let's stick to but you're empowering him to make those decisions yeah. and you're okay with knowing that if he has this like you Here's might have a tough you might have a tough day yeah the next day or whatever it might be or he might not feel good but but you're willing to do that because you know that um you know he's he, it's not going to be a detrimental yeah, we, harm. We wanted him to know that, you know, because yes. if he does ever yes. happen to eat it or whatever, we wanted him to be like, it's okay. Because he's not intolerant, thank God. And, he, you know, he doesn't have, he, he's not allergic. He doesn't have celiac. Um, so he can handle it. But at the same time, it's really hard and challenging for him Do you mentally. think it's the, like, because it causes inflammation? Yeah, there's I mean, so I guess many. It's speculative. Yeah, there's yeah. so much research out there, but I I just know that we've found, and I know a lot of parents who have found so much relief, and and then the work that you are doing in whatever therapy, you see the results. Just like you know, vitamins, like you have to set up the stage for them to be able to process and understand what you're doing. But right. if they're cranky and their belly hurts they're not going to pay attention at therapy and they're going to hate it. Like you got to set the stage and you have to make them healthy first before you can, can start to introduce therapy and changing, you know, little things. So we've talked a a lot about like the research and the science and you've caught us up to date with it, but you being, you know, you being a yogi, you being a yoga teacher and, and I know really connected to that spiritual side of things. One thing that um, you're really educated on, and I would love for you to, I don't know how we'll, how this will, you know, ensue, but you have a lot of, uh, knowledge around like the chakras. Mm. And so as you see him as, um, you know, this spiritual being having this human experience that mm-hmm. he's been gifted, right? Cause it's, it's from a spiritual perspective, I would say that this gift of Luca is for all of you, mm-hmm. right? Nothing is happening to you or happened to him that mm-hmm. he's this awesome kiddo. Um, what do you observe, like specifically, like with his chakras? Do you do any? Has he had any work with that, or Reiki, or, or what is your observation? And you know, maybe perhaps before we get into that, 
like a little explanation of, I loved the, you described it one night in class, which I thought was really amazing about how it's like our, the way we digest energy. Yeah. So I always describe it that it's your energy organ. So you eat food and your organs digest it and, and, you know, turn it into energy. But what happens when you have energy or a thought that comes in? Like how is, how does that digest in your body? So the chakras are just a way that you take in information or different energy and what you do with it like are you the type of person that holds things in are you the type of person who rages like that's all because it's going to go somewhere energy yes. yeah because energy can't it doesn't die it can change but it can never be just done away with it's it's just constantly moving so I most of my life is based on chakras and where I'm at and what I'm working on and so the way that I see my kids is, and the way that I raise them is very chakra-based because, so your first chakra develops when you're young, when you're a kid, and it's that feeling of being safe and secure and, you know, having a family or a tribe that you trust with your energy. So the kids trust me to go to the grocery store and buy the foods that we need and, and they feel safe and they trust us to have this safe house for them. So their first chakra has developed really nicely in my opinion, you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but they feel safe and secure and they know that, but they are moving a little bit into their second chakra and it's cool because because of the autism, they're both at, at somewhat similar um, chakra ages or uh, socially developing. Um, so they're both now kind of exploring second chakra, which is that you can make choices for yourself. Like, you know, if they do go to the store with me, well, can we get that? instead of that or can I have this or can I go play over there and so they're starting to recognize that they have this option this choice this beautiful power to kind of do something a little bit differently uh, and I, I mean Aviana for sure a little bit more than Luca but he he gets a kick out of being able to independently go and do something and um, it's so it's fun to watch and and so I don't do a whole lot of just like Ricky or anything like that with him um, because what I found is that with occupational therapy and the sensory input that he needs, it's, it's very chakra-based. It's him needing vestibular input. So he has a hard time. So, so for me, that tells me that he needs to still feel safe in his own body because if your vestibular system hasn't developed fully or it's a little bit off, you bump into walls, you trip, like you, you need a little bit more sensory input to understand where your body is. And so hence the trampoline and the pogo stick is giving him so much vestibular input of where his body is because he has to grip the pogo stick and every time your feet bounce down, you feel whatever's underneath them, like the trampoline or the pogo stick. Like you, So it's just this constant... Um, stimulation to that system which is helping him feel safe Hi. and secure in his body so he can do those things so I so for him it's it's sort of molded and I every time I learn more about these different systems and these this sensory need that he has I always equate it to what chakra he's in and and because for me then it makes a lot more sense and I'm like okay we're still working in first chakra right. quite a bit he's exploring second chakra but and, and every once in a while, he'll jump into third where he gets really adamant about something he needs for himself, which is really beautiful to see. Him which is your solar plexus, being, that power center. Yeah, and being independent and being like, no, I don't want that. And I don't want to do that. And, you know, or he'll say to Aviana, Aviana, don't do that. That makes me feel so bad. And so really standing up for yes, himself. And and so, so he's his dipping knees. his toes in that So he's that dipping area. his toes in that every once in a while. But you're, you're constantly moving into different chakras and. And, and you know, once one is off, it throws all of them off. So it's that's, I think, the biggest thing that um, I've learned and what I encourage people to do is like 
like my like from my sister for example she'll be like the you know so and so said I need to open my throat chakra so I'm watching all these videos and opening my throat chakra I'm like please don't just focus on that yeah (laughs) because it's almost like the um it's like the endocrine system with the hormones in the body everything is working as the symphony yeah and so to just focus on one is going to throw kind of everything. Yeah. I always, off. every time I work. <laughs> I think when Bob told me to like throw chakra. Meditation. I was like yeah. having phlegm and stuff in my throat. I was like, okay, well I was clearing my chakras and I was like sending, I was the throat like 10 times, but everything else was like once. And he's like, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. Yeah. But and like, see where my <laughs> fascination comes with chakras is the relationship that they have with each other. So, you know, like yeah. first and second, like you can't, begin to make choices for yourself until you feel secure with who you are and then from second to third like you have to explore and try new things in order to set a boundary you know you have to you can't just live in your small bubble and let your parents continue to make choices for you you have to be adventurous Mm -hmm. and maybe go backpacking in europe or, or do whatever to to kind of feel out the world before you can step into third to say this is who I am so that's so so you go from you know your first chakra which is your relationship to your tribe and that that they invest your energy to second chakra where it's your relationship with other people that aren't in your tribe you know your first love your first crush you you know your first best friend you start to kind of develop these new relationships and then you move up from there to your third chakra which is your relationship with yourself and then you can move into your fourth chakra, which is, well, how much do I love myself? You know, so it's so they all just they all build and they all have this beautiful connection with each other. And I love fourth, fifth, and sixth because so fourth is you know love and heart centered stuff. Fifth is is your truth, and sixth is you can for simplicity the mind, you know where you're at, what you're thinking about. But the relationship between the heart and the mind is like this huge gap. And so often your heart is saying, go this way. And your mind is saying, no, 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 logically stay this way. And so there's this disconnect and you feel it in your throat. So the work doesn't always need to be done right where the, where the thing is. The work usually needs to be done above or below that to kind of, you know, to get that congruency back together where the, the energy can flow. A little bit more freely. It makes so. so much. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I think the the human mind wants the easy, like what do I need? Oh, that's coming from my throat. Yeah. Or the same thing with athletes, like oh, you know, the body, yeah. like where my knee is hurting. Is, that's not it's where the really problem not is. where the problem is, yeah. right? So having this understanding of the six, there's six chakras. Seven. Like, seven. Yeah. Main. So, yeah. Main. Yeah. Because there's more. There's more <laughs> even up yeah. there. Yeah. So what was so recap the after. Four is the heart. Four is the heart. Fifth is your throat. So it's it's your truth or the way that you communicate. It's really where you make the choice. So in second chakra, you learn that you have choices. Hey, buddy, can you not climb inside that right now? You can come sit with me. Come here. Because it's a little bit loud. It's climbing in a box. Okay, just climb in and stay in there then. Again, the sensory. She just thing. told her son to climb into a box and stay, and in stay the box. there. <laughs> but I don't know. But Guinness, the, the dog, is going to go check on him. It's a giant <laughs> box, to be safe. It Hi. is a giant box. Hi, buddy. Hi. Okay. Hi. I'll, I'll get you some food in a second again. Okay. Yeah. Always hungry. He's very food motivated. Yeah, which shop is the food? I'm very food motivated. So. Second chakra is where you learn that you have. Yes, we're still. He's doing in his the fourth right now. Yeah, in his fourth. That was a long podcast. I know. We're I know. It's kind of like all about you. <laughs> I like your hat, Luca. I like your hat. <laughs> I see that he likes the color blue now. He does like blue now. Yeah. yeah. I love blue. Let's get the blue and the green. Yeah, it's a good look. It's, we've come a long way. But yeah, so second chakra is where choice is born, where you realize that you that you don't have to do what your parents or your tribe tells you to do. But fifth chakra is where you actually begin to make choices based and on express those choices, uh-huh, and based on your the love that you need to feel, and based on the experiences of the mind. So it's all very fascinating to me. It just some people it makes sense for, and some people it doesn't. So what's after the mind? Uh, seventh chakra, which is your connection to something, whether it's a god or a 
higher purpose or your vision or something. It's just, it's being connected to something beyond yourself. What's a good resource for people if they're interested in that? Uh, my favorite book for chakras is by a woman named Carolyn Mace. It's called uh, Energy Anatomy, I believe. Yeah. Uh, she's written several books on chakras. She's a medical intuitive. And that one I find really interesting because she tells a lot of stories of, of people who are, who are having specific ailments in their body. And she's able to trace it back to where the chakra thing went off. She also connects it to um, the tree of life um, and the seven... Seven sacraments? I don't know. Seven sacraments, the sacraments of, of Christianity. So if you are religious, oh, wow. then okay. she ties those chakras into uh, a religious setting so that you see that the that chakras aren't something new and they've been woven into so many different things that we fall into in our lives. Um, it's just knowing and understanding and seeing that. And then another one, if just for more simplistic of... Chakras is the the wheels of life. Uh, Judea Anodeth, I think, is her the author's name. That's a really good one. I'll put all this one. in the show notes for people to check out. Yeah. Or just think with okay with with athletes, it's always the lower body. Yeah. It's everything below. Mm-hmm. So when the surface stuff rises to the surface, it truly is about getting to the root mm-hmm. of what the cause is. So I think that's where athletes are feeling it in the legs and the knees and the feet and the sciatic and like all of that because they still have stuff to fix. Well, and I can, I can speak a little bit to it about, you know, there are some of us and I used to be one of them that was really kind of running to find myself and to figure that out. And so that was probably a little bit of not having that security. Mm Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Cause you're, I used to have a lot of lower body injuries and I haven't had yeah, it's it's a it's a lack of trust in yourself and your body oftentimes, you know, and not feeling especially if maybe you're newer, you you're not trusting the whole process and what's going on. Oh so gosh, there's yeah. that hesitation. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. that sort of pulls you back where you feel like you're you wanna be in two separate places, you know, so then your body's like, Oh, well I'm not fully here, so I'm gonna break down at those weak spots because you don't trust this process yet. So, I mean, it, it's so many things and every chakra journey is so personal and, and, uh, and so insightful. And so I'm doing another one coming up soon because I need it. And, and, uh, it just, every time I do it, it's, I find different things because my life is changing constantly. So, yeah. So what, um, how is the business going and what's next with that? Yeah, the business is going well. We made lots of things, and and I love the things because they're little reminders of Luca's story, and everything's written in reverse. But I'm wanting now to expand more and offer people more um, insight into ways that they can not live in expectation anymore, but live in love. You know, to to embody the brand. So we're expanding into just more workshops. Um, I'm hoping to do more, um, things online for people, you know, where they can, because now that Luca's doing so well, I have a little bit more time (laughs) to, to dedicate to this. So I'm trying to teach more yoga, not in, in yoga studios. I love teaching in a studio, but I've, I'm finding that a lot of people are, um, fearful of it and they have expectations of what they're supposed to wear and, and, you know, what's going to happen there and people are going to, chanting and doing things that sometimes scare people. So I'm trying to make yoga accessible for all people. I did a training for kids with autism or kids with special needs, which was fantastic. So which was where I was able to teach at Luca's school. But I also am expanding to teaching in local businesses because, you know, if you have an employee who's working every day according to the expectations that you place on them, they're going to burn out. But if they're working because they love their lives and their sel- themselves and what they're doing, you have a whole different employee. And so I'm just wanting the brand to be embodied more in more places and, um, you know, beyond just a shirt that reminds you when you look in the mirror, which is still awesome and we'll still continue making things. But I'm like, how can we make it more than just that because what's the mission of the of the business and has it changed um it's always been to shift your perspective it has changed as everything does it's evolved um now 
It, it is a lot more about that. I, I'm finding so many people have such huge expectations on themselves, and we had such huge expectations of what our life was supposed to be like. And when we finally let those go, it was just so beautiful to see the way things could unfold, the possibilities that came up. So the it, it's still that shift in perspective, but it's that shift from expecting things in your life to just loving your life. Um, and that can be interpreted in so many ways, but, but just loving yourself, I think, and, and loving your journey exactly as it is, not the journey you wish you had, the journey you hope to have in 10 years, but right now, today, like, what do you love? What moves you? What motivates you? What's your purpose? Not intention, but why are you doing what you're doing? And if, if there's not a reason that makes you, like, super excited to get out of bed, then why, why are you not changing things? Like, what, what's the fear associated with it? And, and so that's what, where the work comes in and the chakra journeys and, and things like that where you get to dive in deeper to say, oh, I, I do need to either change the way that I'm approaching this or I need to completely change it so that I can really get to that place where I, I'm not living in expectation, but I am living in love. What could be one thing that somebody could do to start to, if, if somebody's listening to this and they don't even know what they love? That's, and that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Do, do the internal work. Like we said at the very beginning, you know, we want to see more love out in the world, but in order to do that, we have to love ourselves. So you have to stop and take some time for you without... It's, it's hard to do to find a place of stillness, but to find a place of stillness, a place, a go somewhere that makes you sit and not do anything and not check your phone and not, you know, have your list of things and, and just sit with yourself and, and start to write it out or record it or whatever is easiest for you. What, you know, what's going on? What are you not happy with? And, and take the steps if you're really not happy, go see somebody. You know, I started seeing a therapist this year and it, it changed a lot of things for me because I finally have had time. You know, I've been so dedicated to Luca for the last few years that finally we got to a point this year where you know, he's able to get his own pajamas on and brush his teeth where he's more independent, you know, more third chakra. But I realized that I'm like, I have given so much in these last few years that now it's time to give back to me. And so seeing somebody just to talk it out, somebody who doesn't have any agenda with you or anything is so helpful. So I always say if, if you are like, I'm not happy with anything in myself, then you, you need to talk to somebody and start to make those changes, whether it's going to yoga or whether it's meditating, but you need to start changing internally and, and that's going to look different for everybody. So you have to find what makes you love yourself, not not what everybody else thinks you should be doing. Because I believe it's our divine right yeah. to experience love every day. Yeah, I have yeah. the right to be here and to take up space, yeah. and the space I take up is amazing. So <laughs> yes. it's oh, it so is. I love this it. has been amazing, amazing <laughs> so conversation much. again. Good, yeah, thank you no, so much. No, it always goes off in so many different directions. I love it. <laughs>